This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drogheda, Dundalk and Cavan. We have amazing offers available across the 211 Renault and Dacia range. Get your car delivered to you in just a couple of clicks. Call us today to find out more or visit blackstonemotors.ie. Stay safe from Blackstone Motors. You're very welcome to Late Lunch this beautiful Tuesday afternoon. I was just thinking on the way to work today... What a lovely day to be alive. It's absolutely beautiful out there. Warm, the sun is shining, the temperatures are up and spring is bursting out all over. I was just looking at the trees. They're about to explode into leaf and flower. The early flowers are out, of course, the daffs. Beautiful indeed. And the birds, they're going mad around the place. Active, so active at the moment as they go about building their nests and rearing their chicks and... Then I get a green light all the way to work. You can't beat that, can you? When you get the green lights at every junction, it goes green for you. It just says, today is the day, baby. No delays and you're in there in jig time. Yes, a lovely, lovely day indeed. And I hope you're having a decent day wherever you are this afternoon. And of course, we wait with bated breath for the announcement from the Taoiseach this evening as he addresses the nation about restrictions and the phased lifting. And there's a lot of leaks already. The cabinet's in session and uh, we'll see what that brings later on today but we have a fair grasp of what's going to happen I'm going to talk about that in a moment uh, to Professor Paul Miner just to let you know what's coming up on the show today later on uh, there's a big concern on the River Boyne yes a planning application has been lodged to discharge treated wastewater into the river and we'll be joined by Patrick O'Toole he's chairman of the Boyne Catchment Angling Association you know I'm an old fisherman myself I'm looking forward to having a chat with Patrick on the show. We'll hear more of Sinead Burke's banter this afternoon. Very timely, I have to say, as well. Father Paddy Rush is joining us. Second year lockdown for the Easter week, Holy Week. How is he feeling? What does it mean to his parishioners and the congregation? We're going to hear from Paddy in a while. And I did complete 40 days and nights for Slav Vavro on Sunday evening late. We let the dust settle yesterday, but today... We will be in conversation, I will be, with Nadia Vavro, Slav's mum. That's coming up on the show after two and we'll tell you how we fared over the 40 days. But first, as is our want each Tuesday for quite a time now, I'm delighted to say I'm joined by the Head of the Department of Biology, Director of the Human Health Research Institute at Maynooth University, Professor Paul Moyna. Hello again, Paul. Hello, Jerry. Thank you for joining me. Well, Paul, I mentioned there a few moments ago, we can probably 
uh, already understand what the Taoiseach will probably say this evening. It looks now as if the 5th of April will not be a watershed date for the likes of golf, tennis, youngsters training outdoors, things like that. A week later, it seems, it will start then and we will have a roadmap. What, what are your thoughts? Yeah, from what we hear, there seems to be sort of a phase, sort of lifting, light lifting, lifting, I would say, of some of the restrictions. So we're anxiously waiting, but I think our expectations have been sort of managed uh, strongly, I would say, in terms of not to expect uh, too much, maybe in terms of moving more towards uh, promoting activity outdoors. I think that's a good move. I think that should be actively promoted rather than seeing that as a lifting of restrictions. I think we should be trying as much as possible to get people outdoors. Um, so I think you would begin to see that on a phased basis. I think, you know, starting up sports, especially for children, really, really important. Activities, you know, golf, tennis, I've always said, Jerry, I think they're very, very low risk. And mm. I've always thought that we should be looking at, you know, introducing them as quickly as possible for people's, you know, psychological welfare. Um, and, you know, just in terms of social interaction and the likes. So I think anything you see is very much going to be focusing around outdoor activity and, again, being very stringent around minimising any indoor interaction. And having said that, m- most of the transmission of the virus is taking place you know, within households at the moment, over 50%. So that's a big challenge as well in terms of trying to minimise that. So certainly a phased lifting, um, you know, very conservative and very much focused around increased um, outdoor activity rather than any uh, indoor activity. Paul, we look with envy just north of the border at the moment and across the water as well. And I was speaking to Sheila Bailey in the UK yesterday, and my oh my, the difference that vaccinations make. Uh, we're heading; They're heading for almost 60% vaccinated at the moment. The numbers, you can just see, they've gone way down. The deaths, the cases, you name it. You've always said that vaccination is the way out of this. Do we need to be a little more patient? Now, I know listeners are screaming at the radio or whatever they're listening to us on today as I say that. My God, have we not had enough patience? Yeah, I think probably some of the things that's happened in the last week as well, it's probably people have become a little bit, probably anger out there as well in terms of some of the things that have been, in terms of, and even though, for example, the situation there with the Beacon, even though it was a small number of vaccines, I think people just feel that it was obviously the wrong thing to do, it was indefensible. And people, I think, are beginning to ask now in terms of, even in terms of the distribution and the rollout, is it being done in a fair way? Is it done? Is it being done according to, you know, the that tiered system? I saw an article there by Paul Cullen in the Irish Times yesterday where he's been trying to get information in terms of, even in terms of the number of healthcare workers that have been vaccinated and the numbers that have officially been vaccinated seem to be way in excess of the actual numbers. And I know we are trying to get details on that. So I think the first thing you need is, with any rollout system, you need transparency. You need that data out there, but you need it to be transparent in order to get people's buy-in. And if people start to question that or feel that it's unfair, then that creates problems within the system. So that's one thing in terms of uh, the, the vaccines that we do get, they need to be distributed as quickly as possible, as fairly and as equitably based on medical need. And then the other thing, obviously, is in terms of supply. And you mentioned, you know, in Northern Ireland, which obviously they're going through because of the UK supply, especially of the AstraZeneca vaccine. And, you know, we, we look up there with envy now and you can begin to see the clear benefit and the public health benefit in terms of the rollout of that vaccine. So, you know, we need to... 
uh, get as m- many vaccines as possible. It's not all bad news, you know. I think in time you're going to see more vaccines being approved. Johnson and Johnson is probably going to be coming on stream now in April. It's going to be increased supply of some of the other vaccines. So certainly hopeful, but. I can absolutely appreciate why the public, there is an impatience building up there because it is, and it seems to be the decision, I think probably what you're going to hear from Nesset and the government later on, is that give us another four to eight weeks because at the moment the coverage from the vaccine isn't sufficient. And I think there will be discussion now in a number of weeks when we've got the over 70s and the vulnerable groups vaccinated. And I know there are differing views on this, but when we have the vulnerable vaccinated, should we begin then to relieve some of the restrictions and open up or should we wait till most of the population is vaccinated? And there are differing views on that, but I think that discussion will certainly start then. Yes, when you look at uh, the the north of Ireland, uh, I just see the SSE Arena in Belfast uh, will open seven days a week. It opened yesterday and they're going to operate for, uh, between 12 and 14 hours a day. That's right around, the, you know, a long, long days. so they are. And they're really determined to get the uh, needle into as many arms as possible. Now, it has been just announced this morning, uh, just to tell our listeners, that Croke Park has been designated as a mass vaccination site along with 38 other sites around the country. Simonstown Gales in County Mead has been named as one of them as well. So it's good to hear this. But Paul, surely as well, we will adopt a seven-day model with as many hours as possible. Yeah, I don't don't think we have a choice. I think the stakes are so high. The benefits are so enormous. I don't think we have any choice in this, that we just have to do that. We have to put in place the systems and the facilities to allow the vaccination and the vaccines to distribute as quickly as possible. Like we're moving towards, and we'll be told in the second quarter, we're moving towards situations where we could be getting a million vaccines per month in. So certainly that's going to be the real asset test in terms of when the supply gets to that level, how are we going to be able to distribute and administer them as quickly as they come in? And we need to plan for that. It needs to be, like we need to get to the stage where there's no lag, virtually no lag between receiving and receipt of the vaccines and they've been administered to individuals. So certainly we have to pull out all the stops on that because the benefits and the, the stakes are so, so high. They really are. I was reading something yesterday I know that you've talked about to me before uh, with regard to antibody tests and a, an Irish company called Assay Genie who have this test and they have it available and they, they'd like to be part of a significant rollout. Would you just come back on that one for me and just explain the benefits or how you feel about this? So the antibody test, there's different types of tests, Jerry, as we know. So the, the gold standard is normally described for looking at active infection is the PCR test. So that detects, directly detects RNA and the virus. Then there's these rapid antigen tests. The rapid antigen tests, again, detects active infection from the virus because it detects proteins that are called antigens uh, in the virus. Then the antibody test, they detect a person who has previously been infected by the virus. Now, why is this of use? Well, this is of use, first of all, in terms of if it confirms that somebody has previously been infected, if they've generated antibodies against the virus, and potentially it gives some indicator, not not an absolute one, but it indicates that maybe you've got protection against the virus. Some of the things I thought that early on that I proposed that hasn't been adopted would be that people who've been previously infected by the virus, we now know that they have immunity against the virus for at least eight, nine months, probably longer so in terms of the priority list, I thought initially it may have been beneficial to screen people as they come along to see if they've already been infected because we're picking up, you know, we've 
over 200,000 confirmed cases now, but many more people have been infected that, that haven't been confirmed. And by doing antibody tests, you could actually determine if somebody has previously been infected or not. But at the very least, I think there is a place there for finding out if somebody has been infected, if they have antibodies. Because we now know from research that when somebody gets one dose of the vaccine, they produce really high levels of antibodies. And the reality is they probably don't need a second dose. In fact, there's a, a, public, a preprint of a publication released last week showing that for people who've been previously infected, if they get a second dose of the vaccine, they don't really get any gain, especially for a type of immunity called T-cell immunity. So I think there's certainly you know, a, a role there, especially in situations and at times where vaccines are limited. So you know, prioritise them to people who haven't any, had, haven't any protection presently and then when vaccines are rolled out, yes, you can distribute them all. Now, whether that's approach or strategy, I'm not convinced that that strategy is going to be used. We can certainly see merit uh, in it. Um, but, but basically, it gives you an immune status. It tells yeah. you, Jerry, if, if you've generated antibodies yes. against the virus. Yes, so more some, information. Be, and for some, for some people, that'll be peace of mind. Absolutely, for sure. Listener Dare wants to know, can you ask, Paul, when will the over 65s be vaccinated? There is an, a, a pyramid, isn't there? Starting at the top with the over 80s, the most vulnerable, and it moves down, Paul. And that's the way it's going to happen, isn't it? That's, that's the way it's going to happen. Uh, so my, my, my sense is that, and the indications are that by supposedly by mid-April, which is only a couple of weeks ago, the, the over 70s should have at least had their first uh, vaccination. Mm. By mid to end of May, all should have had their uh, second vaccine, but they're obviously getting the Pfizer and Moderna one, which is, you know, just the, the time difference between the first and second dose is about three or four weeks. Yes. Uh, so then we will move then towards currently with the AstraZeneca. The AstraZeneca has been used for remaining healthcare workers and those under the age of 70, you know, with uh, underlying conditions. And then certainly we're moving then towards the uh, 65 to to uh, 70s. So I would imagine sort of certainly within the next number of weeks, we will, we will start in that. I think you will begin to see an acceleration, mm. especially as the supply increases, increases very significantly, where again, within the second quarter, towards the mid end of second quarter, will be hopefully getting you know a million vaccines per month. But then I think you'll see an acceleration going down, and that by midsummer, hopefully most adults who are eligible for this uh, will have had at least their their first dose. Please God, they will. And just to finish, the latest figures just out: three hundred and ten in hospital. It's down again. ICU down today to sixty-seven, and the fourteen-day incidence rates at one sixty-three point seven per hundred thousand. Those figures just coming out. So they're moving in the right direction. I think, Paul, just to summarise before we leave, there's just a little nervousness about you know getting as many vaccinated and doing the opening up. Is that basically it? That's the yeah, conundrum faced by everybody at the moment. I think that's the narrative certainly yeah. painted and certainly reading yeah. the papers this morning there's this sense that NEFA, the message that they're giving is that the coverage from the vaccine at the moment is insufficient to give very significant protection as a proportion of the population. I think what they're looking for is, is more time. I think it's a good sign in terms of that uh, hospitalizations are decreasing, the numbers in ICUs are decreasing and you would probably expect that because the way we've rolled out the vaccine is to vaccinate those who are most vulnerable. So you'd like to see, and we know from other real-world data from Israel, from UK, these vaccines work really, really well in terms of reducing deaths and reducing hospitalizations. Mm. So hopefully we've begun to see the benefit of that already. Paul, you're so good. Thank you again for uh, joining me on the show uh, today. Much appreciate your advice every single week. Thanks a million, Paul. 
You're more than welcome, Jerry. Anytime. Take care of yourself. That's Professor Paul Moyne there, Head of the Department of Biology, Director of the Human Health Research Institute at Maynooth University. If you have an opinion of you, you can always express them on late lunch and the numbers you need are 086-1800-658. That's the WhatsApp or text number 086-1800-658. Or if you want to call in, it's 1850-715-958. Interesting, uh, Ray. I'll uh, read what you have to say. Thanks for getting in touch with us. I'm amazed at the gullibility of the media giving any leverage to Arlene Foster's ridiculous and patronising comments that she wants the UK to help Ireland out with the vaccines when they achieve their quota. This whole vaccine rollout is like the tortoise and the hare story. I have no doubt when all is said and done that the EU will be level or even ahead of the UK when the last cohorts are vaccinated, come, say, the autumn or winter. The UK has steamed ahead purely for the political kudos it bestows on Boris Johnson from a very gullible electorate, but they'll most certainly hit a wall when it comes to honouring the second doses. The new first doses will be almost completely ground to a halt. It could easily be the case that Ireland will, in the long run, have everyone vaccinated before the North. The classic tortoise and the hare situation, says Ray. Thank you indeed for that message today. And it is a view that I have heard from some of my friends as well. They uh, actually would concur what you have to say there, Ray. But look, come on, a friendly neighbour willing to help out. Let's see what happens there. Um, anyway, another one there. There's uh, another question, and a very important question from a listener as well. Jerry, when could we expect the likes of drive-in bingos to be back? <laughs> It just shows you, whatever your world vision is, Louise, you know what I mean? Wherever you sit in the world, you have a different perspective on things. Drive-in bingo is very important to people, isn't it? It's huge in Gibson. <laughs> yeah, of course. The home of the drive-in bingo where it all began. I'd say it could be a while for the oh, drive-in, will so, it? Yeah. yeah. You know, even though you go along in your own car and... You it, know. it did come back late last it year. Did. Everybody was doing it. It did. So maybe, maybe we're wrong. Maybe it'll be sooner than we think that they'll bring it back within the uh, travel limits as well. Are you disappointed? Are you disappointed mm. about what you're hearing? Were you expecting more to happen? I thought there might next be. Next Monday. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Like it's a bit of a. Yeah. It, it's, it's just what to look forward to now. Do you know? At least you thought, well, next Monday, if they're making an announcement today. Yeah. For nothing happening next Monday. Mm. Why are they making an announcement today? Like it's just. Oh well, I, I honestly you know, think completely. Like there yeah, should be more. Yeah, I know. I, I honestly think that. Look, it, it's no secret. Uh, people are at breaking point. Mm. I have to say this, and people have just had it. And I shudder to think, Louise. Imagine if we hadn't a vaccine. Or if there weren't vaccines, where would we be? You know, there's been huge progress there. But like genuinely, I know the most. Logical people, sound people, not mentioning any names, and they're struggling. They yeah. really are struggling. We're lucky. We're working. We have, you know, we're occupied with work. And of course, we have many other things, our families as well, and grateful to have them and be close to them. But it is tough, and I can understand. And you can see it, Louise. I'm sure you can see it. There's more traffic on the roads. Past a load of parks on uh, the way, and they're absolutely they're jammed. jammed with people. Cars on, are on the road. Yes, can't even get into the park. Correct. Uh, you know, the, the people are out and about. The weather is lovely. What mm. harm is there being out and about? I have to say, and as well as that, you know, at the weekend gone by, seaside areas and everything were busy. Mm. Woodlands, walks, things like that. People are just and the time of year with the clocks. Look at last evening. I was able to. Gorgeous. I, I walked again last mm. evening. I'll tell you more about that later. But able to walk, able to do a bit in the garden. You know what I mean? Even later on with the extra hour and that fantastic. And it militates against 
you know, keeping it tight. Uh, I think bre- we were hoping as well for kids to be allowed back training. Yes, yes, of I course. know it will come down the line. This it will. Time. It will. It will, of course. And maybe maybe we just need this little bit more patience as well, just to allow the vaccines ramp up and and then being able to take the, the release off on, on many aspects of life. But I'll tell you this, honestly, this evening, there better be a plan and a roadmap and some definitive dates. There's some got hope. to be this evening. Just a little bit of just yeah. something that we can yeah. come in and shout about tomorrow. Yeah, well, yeah. Yay. Yeah, and say, look, at now we have a target and it's going to happen. Let's see. Michal Martin speaking to The Nation, I'm sure, on the six, main six o'clock news this evening and we'll, we'll hear, but we get the gist mm-hmm. of it already. It seems to be a week put back at least to the 12th of April. If you have a view, uh, I'd love to hear from you. How are you feeling at this point in time? 086-1800-658. WhatsApp do, or text me to the show. Do you know what's coming to the fore again, though, Jerry? Yeah. Do you use Sudocream? Um, yes, I would now and again. Yeah, put on yeah. a, if you've got a cut or something. Or mm. A lot of people just use it for babies and nothing. Yes, yes, of course, yeah. But it was spotted behind Madonna. Going mad. Everybody's really? back to using Sudocream. She posted a few pictures of herself in uh, lingerie <laughs> the other night. And people spotted a whole tub of Sudocream, which is made in Dublin, behind her. So they're thinking, you know, she looks quite youthful, you know. Is there Sudocream an answer to that, you know? What do you call that stuff that you get on your hips mm. ladies don't like it in particular what do you call it you yeah. know that stuff there's a thing you get in your hips doesn't or on your, your thighs no <laughs> <laughs> we all get that but you know women don't like what do you call it I can't think of the name of it oh it's, cellulite so, yeah you know when you see the, the cellulite oh yeah what, what the, what the pseudocreme help that I don't know Leaving a lot of marks on your clothes. We'd have to have it? a look at Madge's arse and have a look to see how she <laughs> much cellulite around that I'd area say of our now body. There's more than pseudocream has in that area. <laughs> oh, certainly. You're right there. And I'm thinking of other things as well. Yeah, I know, yeah. I'm thinking I shouldn't of be. Botox and the other things. <laughs> <laughs> let's go to Gavin James. Song, late lunch. It's brilliant. Yes, let's try and glow, even though at times you feel we're still in the dark. Gavin James and Glow on your late lunch this Tuesday afternoon. The pseudocreme update. Louise has more <laughs> news for us. You were right, Jerry. kind of. Not cellulite, but it's good for stretch marks and scars. Yay! Sunburn, insect bites and cracked heels. Should have worn it last week, Jerry. I could have done with a bit of that all right mm. when I was doing the walk. I'm just thinking... If Trump was still in office, he'd be out at a news <laughs> conference tonight saying, yes, I have the cure for COVID. Yes, it's pseudocreme. Just get a jar of it and eat it. <laughs> Don't eat it. I'm Probably. only joking. It's good for sunburn too. And he was kind of... Pseudocreme was a cure a for colour. everything. Yes, all... It really does. It does a myriad of things. And it's made here in Ireland. And it goes back quite a bit, doesn't 90 it? 90 years and it... 34.4 million pots are sold worldwide every year. Jeepers. Isn't that something else? Now, that ties in with a message from a listener who says, Jerry, we have such a presence of the big pharmaceuticals in Ireland. We should be much better with regards to access and supplies of the vaccine. I know it's a point that's been made. A lot is manufactured here, but not the components of the COVID vaccine, unfortunately. That's the way it works. But I, I get your point as well. Somebody else saying there, when is China going to pay for the uh, virus? A global disaster. And it began there, Jerry. Well, uh, it did. And uh, I think that's 
a, a fairly recognised point at this stage and I hear what you're saying as well. I suppose it could have happened anywhere. There have been other, there's been SARS has happened elsewhere in the world. Where did AIDS begin? You know, it could be anywhere, anytime, any place. But, you know, people are a bit annoyed, you know, that, you know, the way China, you know, they may have held back a little bit on the news early on and things like that. I understand that, but I just make that point in their defence as well. You're with Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. We're heading to news and weather and afterwards, yes, final shout out for the 40 days and nights for Slav. I'm joined on the show by Slav's mum, Nadia. Raise back to me. Oh, Jerry, it's not a friendly neighbour in Foster trying to help out. It's just her trying yet again to distinguish and separate North and South and align herself more with the UK. If she wanted to help both South and North, she'd have worked on an all-Ireland approach for the last 12 months and everything, both helping us and herself. She didn't when it was imperative, and that's why we're all in this situation now. Don't be gullible, Jerry, says Ray. Ray thinks I'm gullible. Thanks, Ray. Uh, Peter's back. Oh, I love him. He's like one of those things you punch and it fu- you know the thing that's fixed in the ground you punch it and it keeps coming back up at you I admire you for that Peter I do but your views honestly Peter Peter's called me a fool today he says it didn't begin in China you fool it's man made was made in a lab in Arizona and was transported to the world military games in Wuhan in China in 2018 good man Peter Keep on rocking in a free world. Anyway, here's another one that's come into me and it's interesting. This is more interesting to me, Peter, because this makes a bit of sense to what I said a little while ago. And it says some researchers, Jerry, believe the 1918 pandemic, that awful flu pandemic that killed 50 million in the world, the deadliest in history, may have started in Kansas. That's in Kansas, in the United States. Should everyone in Kansas be punished for this? As a Kansan, I'd have to say no. Thank you so much. I'm very grateful that you sent me that message today to the show. And it's a real good point. Well made, I have to say. Keep the messages coming, the comments. We love them on late lunch. 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text me to the show. Now, you will know that at the beginning of Lent, I set off a man on a mission. I decided, I was thinking about, you know, giving up alcohol for Lent. And look, I'll tell you after we we, we chat in a few moments about that and how it came about. But anyway, I set off walking 40 days, at least 40 minutes each day for 40 days and 40 nights. I didn't consume any alcohol, all for a young man called Slav Vavro. He was 13 when he was diagnosed with cancer. I interviewed himself and his mum on this show back then. And they've been through one roller coaster of a journey since. And I decided three years on, three years on, he was 13, he's 16 now, that perhaps it had just fallen a little out of focus. And I wanted to generate interest again and bring it back into the public domain and view. And that's what I set out to do uh, over 40 days ago. So I did every day. I set off and I did my 40 minutes at least, average about five kilometres a day. And it flew by. Finished on Sunday evening. And I have to say it was a privilege and a pleasure to do it. Now, a little earlier today, because they have a hospital appointment as I speak, Nadia Vavro, Slab's mum, spoke to me. And she began by reminding us all about Slab's story. Slab was diagnosed uh, back in January 2018. 
Of course, uh, it was complete shock for us, and it was worst nightmare, and it would be worst nightmare, nightmare for every parent. So he was diagnosed in 2018, and he went through very harsh chemotherapy during 27 weeks. And after these 27 weeks, uh, he continued with uh, with oxygen therapy, and he relapsed, unfortunately, in uh, August 2020. His scans were unfortunately never clear. We knew there might be something happening, and uh, we are fighting now for three years. He was never in uh, proper remission. And during those three years, Nadia, you've had to go abroad on a couple of occasions, and you've had a huge outlay as well on an oxygen chamber. So when we realized uh, Slav's uh, uh, diagnosis is very serious and we were told very bad prognosis for Slav, we decided we have to do everything possible and beyond uh, to save his life and we are still doing our best. We decided to fundraise for Slav uh, to support his treatment, not just for his supplements but for oxygen chamber as well. And uh, we were able to purchase this oxygen chamber last March 2020. It was just when uh, all this pandemic began and it was really good timing because he would not be able to get his oxygen treatment now. So we are very, very grateful to everybody who helped us to purchase this oxygen chamber and Slav is still getting his treatment three to five times a week. And it's amazing to have it at home. He, he doesn't have to travel. He doesn't have to go anywhere. He doesn't have to meet other people and to be at risk of getting COVID, uh, for example, at this moment. We believe it's life-saving and it's helping him with his bones as well because his cancer was uh, spread uh, throughout his body and it, he, he spent three months on wheelchair in 2018. He, he is still in pain. He has six compression fractures of his vertebrae. So this oxygen is helping him uh, to heal his bones because oxygen is able to get inside uh, very deep uh, into his cells. And uh, he's also having other treatments like monthly treatment to strengthen his bones, which is uh, intravenous treatment in the hospital. Two trips abroad for groundbreaking surgery, that happened as well? Yes, that happened uh, back in October and in November 2020. We went to Austria and we were able to get these uh, uh, surgeries done in Austria, thankfully to people as well who helped us to cover expenses for the surgeries. Unfortunately, we were left. Unfortunately, it was a very difficult situation be- because we were told uh, SLA would have to have amp- amputation of his uh, leg here in Ireland and we were looking for other options and we got this uh, professor in Austria who was able to remove a tumor from from Slav's uh, foot uh, with clear margins uh, without amputation. So that was very, very good. Huge boost at that stage and uh, something that couldn't be done here, carried out abroad. I come back to the point again, there's an awful lot of money involved in this, in these pioneering surgeries, in the oxygen chamber as well. You've had a tremendous response, but after three years, it's a long time. It's a long time and sometimes people don't realize that money who might use, you, you might be able to see on GoFundMe, these money are not there. Most of them are spent. We, we spent uh, money on oxygen chamber. We spent money on uh, surgeries. We spent money on supplements, which uh, Slav is still getting. We paid uh, for genetic tests. We paid for many, many private tests and uh, treatments for Slav as well. And uh, we would not be able to do that on our own. We are very grateful to you all. Thank you. You know, when you think of this three years, is there any time that sticks in your mind that you were really frightened for Slav? 
Yes, unfortunately, there were a couple of moments when I was really frightened. And uh, I can recall one night, uh, it was in Kromlin Hospital, when Sla was suffering from brain toxicity caused by uh, chemotherapy. And this is unfortunately happening very often to other children as well. Uh, at that moment, uh, Sla was not able to recognize me. And doctors were not able to tell us if he if he will wake up in the morning and he if he would be able to recognize me in the morning they they were not sure if this damage brain damage uh, will be there for good or not so he couldn't recognize me he was calling our dog from his hospital bed he didn't know my name of course i couldn't sleep that night not at all how are you how, how is the family how is his brother sister dad everybody keeping up yeah, it's not easy, of course, and it's not just about finances. It's about our mental health, about our family. Um, it's affecting all our lives, and, and it, everything is about cancer, actually. Our lives were put on hold in January 2018, and they never came back to normal. And we went from restrictions... Uh, which were for Slav there before because of his compromised immune system. We went from those restrictions to restrictions uh, caused by pandemic. So there is no mm, normal life for us. And uh, it's been for uh, such a long time. Um, and it's very difficult because I gave up my job. So I'm not, uh, I'm not in touch with uh, people. There is no school for Slav. It was not possible even to go for him even before pandemic because of his immune system. It's it's very difficult. It's very difficult. I just wish we can back uh, we can go back to normal, but it's not so easy. And uh, with pandemic on the top of everything, it's very hard. It is so hard and it is a long time and it's ongoing still, we have to say. He's in good form. I've, I've met him myself and he, he looks as well as he can look and his spirits, he's keeping them up. I know he had a good pal who he relied on who moved away recently from where you live and he's not at school. He's missing that. He's missing his friends, of course. Uh, he's missing school. And uh, despite of all amazing support we are getting from all kind people, uh, this can be a very lonely journey, uh, especially for Slav, because he's not in touch with any friends. And he's, yes, his best friend moved away uh, three hours away. So it's not even really possible to meet somewhere outside. It's not. It's not. Look, you're a fantastic woman, I have to say, and a wonderful family. And Slav is lucky to have you and all that you've sacrificed. And I want to remind listeners again today that every money that has been contributed since this journey started, and including the money you've all generously given to us this last 40 days and nights in the uh, 40 days and nights for Slav, it's all going, Nadia, directly to his care. Nothing else. Every single euro. Everything what is uh, raised uh, from fundraisers is being used solely on medically uh, related bills uh, for Slav. So it's going towards his uh, genetic testing, his uh, surgeries abroad, oxygen chamber and maintenance of oxygen chamber and uh, supplements uh, he's taking all the time. So it's very, very expensive to to really cover all of all of these expenses. Uh, but it's it's going just for his medically related bills for nothing else. I just would like to maybe update you how Slav is at this moment. Uh, after the surgeries, uh, if we say he had surgeries, it's not really giving you maybe full picture how we see now, but uh, he's still recovering from the surgeries. He in just, just back in January, he got uh, 19 leaf nodes removed from his 
underarm area and he has still restricted movements of his arm. He's uh, dealing with skin rash and a dry skin as a side effect of uh, chemotherapy and other medication he's on. His blood counts are still affected and he still is suffering from uh, back pain and he's on monthly medication uh, intravenous medication for that as well and he's getting oxygen uh, three to five uh, times a week so all of this together is helping him to fight this Nadia, this is ongoing and uh, your pursuit of uh, anything that can help Slav continues. Tell me a little about that. Yes, of course. Uh, unfortunately, Slav's prognosis is still not good and we are not uh, out of the woods yet. So we are still looking for uh, other options abroad. Recently, we did some genetic testing which identified gene which might be targeted and help Slav to achieve long-term remission. So we are trying to get this inhibitor. It's called inhibitor. And we are uh, con- constantly contacting uh, the companies and hospitals abroad. And uh, so we hope to get this inhibitor for Slav. And we would not be able to even uh, know about this if it didn't do genetic testing which we were able to do thankfully to all help and uh, fundraisers so we hope to get this inhibitor because I believe that's the future treatment of cancer uh, in immunotherapy targeted therapy and inhibitors and that's what we are we are trying to get for Slav now and from my perspective here I have to say I don't know how this happened I'll be honest with you to tell you truthfully today but something came to me Nadia from somewhere to say do something for the Lenten season and you and Slav came to mind as well I think it was Louise I really did do she had mentioned you earlier on in the year and it just came to me and then this whole thing happened and I know after three years you sort of uh, slip off the radar people maybe forget it's a long time as I said the last uh, 40 days and nights, there's been a great response. It was great response, uh, Jerry, and we are forever grateful to you because you encouraged others to take a part and uh, to support Slav. Uh, and uh, we are grateful to you and to all supporters and your listeners and friends who took a part in this as well. And I would like to say a really huge thank you to you, Jerry, because uh, you are inspiring others and it, it has held benefits not just for Slav, but for you as well. And maybe for others who would uh, walk, uh, maybe for other charities and for people who are suffering from cancer. Thank you. I can't deny that. I've <laughs> The exercise has been really good for me personally, too. Well, look, Nadia, I'm so grateful that you joined me on Late Lunch today at the end of the 40 Days and 40 Nights. It's been a a privilege and a pleasure for me to help you. And I just hope this little gesture goes some way to easing the difficulties you're facing. I only wish I could give Slav his full health back. Thank you very much, Jerry. And thank you to you for all the support. And uh, thank you. Thank you to all your listeners and friends who are supporting Slav. Uh, Thank you very much. If I could only wave that magic wand. I want to take a short break and just talk a little bit about this in a moment. Look, it, it's been an amazing time. I'm overwhelmed. The donations are still coming in. I want to say a big thank you to Susan and Shaley Maguire. That came to me there this morning. To Donald and Brenda O'Donnell. To my good friend Martin Ryan. To Tom Mitchell, who gave a fantastic donation late last week. It was Tom. Much appreciated. Trina and John. I met Trina today on the way in and handed me a lovely card and donation as well. It's just been simply Louise. Amazing. It's been great. It really has. You know, it's been a wonderful, wonderful time. How has it changed you? You know, did it change you? You went out just thinking you were going to walk and next thing, (laughs) boom, you had 
all this people shouting at you and <laughs> it was um, even did a one man parade. <laughs> I did on St. Patrick's Day. Look, the social media end of things has been great as well to keep it to the four posts in the wee videos as I walked the evening. I was, did you see me? I was washed. Oh, it's so I was good. washed in my knickers. Yeah. I, I, I was just. I, I love that. I love that. It was unbelievable, so it was. And I met all types of weather. The people who, people sh- rolling down the windows of the car, people going, Jerry shouting at me. People stopped me and gave me donations. People mm-hmm. gave me money while out walking as well. Um, you know. And I know even people wanted to walk <clears> with you, but unfortunately, the Yes, and I want to say that. Restrictions, yes, yes. yes, to the people who offered to walk by my side and come with me. It was just, it was a one-man effort and I wanted to keep it that way. And you're right, because of the situation mm. we're in, we didn't want to attract, you know, the negativity you'd attract yeah. with something like that. And I appreciate all of, of the offers. They were great and, and really appreciated. I will tell you as well, we've got a, an offer on Instagram just uh, in recent hours of a substantial donation and we're following up on that one as well. So that that is certainly still to come. Look, I reckon I walked, I did at least five a day, over 200 kilometres. I didn't touch the hooch at all. You know, I didn't and won't until Easter Sunday. Did you um, lose weight? Which? Did you lose the weight? I uh, know because I said I had plenty right. <laughs> because Paddy Mulligan the physio <laughs> told me I needed you know I probably took that at two literally to eat a bit more but I felt better I was sleeping better but things that I think of over the time as well you know St Margaret's Celtic Supporters Club Adrian Hillman Fabulous. and his crew the, them coming on board the Drogheda Dolls what they did an anonymous group of friends through our own Matthew Turner who gave a huge donation as well to all you see them here look at them mm, all the little day. envelopes coming in here every day with five ten. 2050s and more in them from you who are listening to us today. And people might think, you know, that couple of quid, oh, I can only afford, that is massive every, to her. Every single euro Matthew. counts. And remember, Louise, you know, we had a daffodil day, the dementia, they're all wordy, national campaigns as well. So many. You know, there were just so many. And the lady who sent me in her Mother's Day gift from her family. Think about that. To give it to Slav as well. And what to, about you have a little uh, the two, Listen, Pippa and my one of my granddaughters, a lovely card with a donation in it yeah. I got the other day from a mum and dad, Jared and Shauna, to Sarah and Kieran and little Ava. Ava was six on Saturday and we couldn't have a birthday, but we blew the cake out in the driveway outside the house. And she sidled up to me. <laughs> said... <laughs> Gang, gang, she calls me. She said, I got this money for my birthday. And I want to give it a slab. And, you know, something like that just... Gets you there. You know, it's one of those things. And, you know, I just did this to help a young fella who, 13, gets that news. And it's three years at this. Oh, jeepers. Like, when you think of it. All his teenage years. Yes, and, you know, they're a wonderful family. His mother, his brother, sister, father, all the people in the family are just fantastic. And you heard Nadia there about the last three years, what it's been like. It's, oh, it's just been something else. But I want to say today to finish off to everybody who donated, to every single person who gave us a euro, it's gone directly to Slav, straight to him and will help his care because this is going to cost still over the weeks and months ahead. And did and you? Did you do a tot up? Did you know <clears throat> how much you raised? Well, we've just gone over twelve and a half thousand. Wow! You know, twelve and That's a half thousand is huge. I'm thrilled with it because 
One I, person, I really, 40 days. I really didn't set out to, you know, I've never mentioned really mm. money or totals or anything. That was just a rough tally today. It will be more, I know, and the money's still coming in. But to give that to them after all this time when they've exhausted funds and they had nothing really had dried up between the GoFundMe, the donations, the drafts, the monies that have come in. It's just been an unbelievable response to me, honestly. And I laugh and I think setting out, I had no shoes. I've been <laughs> off the first day. I was nearly crippled in the first three days until Sarah got me the runners. Then I got new boots for the, the, the weekend walking in the cross fields. Cross country. Well, cross country. And I won't joke, I've a twinge in the knee and a little tip mm. in the hip. But look, wasn't it all well worth it? It mm. really was well worth it. And I'm delighted I was able to do some. It's tiny, it's minuscule, but something yeah, but little it, and for it somebody. It was different as well. It was, you know, a novel idea that helped mm. people. And, and you brought him back to the fore. You know, he, you brought him, people started thinking about him again yes. when they might have just forgotten. Yes. And because look at, of life. Because y- of life. Yeah, yeah. You can still donate. They're asking me, look at the messages coming out. Yes, you can still donate. Mm. Of course you can. You can send it to LMFM here and we'll pass it directly on to Nadia. I promise you that. She gets every single euro accounted for diligently. And when she goes to the bank, she sends me the, the copies of the slips even to show me that everything. If you look at the GoFundMe, you can see GoFundMe.com Oxygen for Slav if you want to do it that way. GoFundMe.com Oxygen for Slav, you can still donate. I will post we'll his, put the link up his tr- and his trust account. I have details of his trust okay. account as well. I'll put that up there. Remember him. Don't forget him. Think of him. His uh, journey goes on like so many others. But look, today I want to say it was a, privi- a privilege and a pleasure again to do it. And I'm just delighted to be able to help in some little way. But it's all because of you listening today and your support. That's what has really made this extra, extra special. And I want to say... If you walk any... on your own but to thousands with you. <laughs> Which is a, it's a wonderful feeling. Anyway, Slav, if you're listening today, you are my hero and I play this one for you. I give you credit, Jerry. I really do. You did it. I had me doubts when you started, but you made it all the way. Good man yourself. Please let me know your favourite wine. I'll drop a bottle in for you to end the dry spell. An avid Navin listener. <laughs> Thank you so much for your kindness. Thank you indeed. Whatever tickles your fancy. And don't put yourself out. Don't put yourself out with that one there. I hate to see you come Sunday night after the, after all the <laughs> oh, wine no, and the no, beer no, and the whole lot. <laughs> Listen, Jesus, don't pay me in that picture at all. No, I know you don't. I'll, have a, very, I'll, have, I'll have a little few. sip, I will. Louise, isn't it amazing today? We've had a Kansas listener, somebody listening in Kansas today, you know, was in touch with us about the uh, pandemic. Listen to this one. Connell McBride. Hello, Connell. Lovely to hear from you today. I think that's the way you pronounce it anyway. There's two ends in it. He's listening to us in the Scottish Highlands this afternoon. Oh, fantastic. And he sent me a picture of himself. He was in Tenerife a couple of years ago. Can you imagine a Scotchman in Tenerife? He came back <laughs> like the Pink Panther. Pseudocream. <laughs> That's all I can say. Pink Panther, he's like, and he said, Jerry, sorry to tell you, but the pseudocream didn't oh. work. Connell, I'll tell you one thing. I'm not surprised. It's for little patches here and there. He was red and so pink. He was lovely to hear from you this afternoon. Oh, the Scottish Highlands. What a beautiful part of the world. I was lucky to visit there. Went on a lovely holiday there at one stage. It's great to hear from you on the show this afternoon. Now, it is Easter week, as we know. Holy week, it's referred to. And it's a very special week for Christians. But here we are 
uh, a year, over a year on from the pandemic, and it will be the second Easter when Christians in this country cannot really celebrate a very important time. He's a great friend of ours. He's the parish priest of Monaster Boys Fieldstown and Genure, and he's on the line. Father Paddy Rush, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jerry. Hello, Louise. Good to talk to you and good to speak to all your listeners as well. Paddy, it's great to have you with us and happy Easter to you too. Would you honestly have expected that here we go again for a second year in a row? What, how are you feeling about this? Or have you any hope there might be a little leeway? It's hardly likely in what the Taoiseach will say this evening. No, I, I, I don't think the Taoiseach will give us any uh, freedoms in terms of the church anyway. Um, I think that's down the list. However, I know some people had been um, you know, campaigning for a return to church. I suppose... Generally, I would support that generally, but more particularly, I would feel very strongly that we need to uh, expand the numbers of people who can come to funerals. Uh, that's that's a really difficult uh, time for lots of people. And uh, I think we can do that safely now with with uh, some some care and concern, you know. Um, but no, generally, it, it is a difficult time, Jerry. I think a lot of people are feeling it very much so this year. I don't think any of us would have thought that Last year, we would be in the same boat again this year. And yet, Jerry, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very hopeful that we can all have a, a, a beautiful Easter celebration religiously. We can have Easter at home. And uh, a lot of the churches are developing resources for celebrating Easter and Holy Week at home. And of course, online. I mean, you talked about your, I was listening there to your, comments about your visitors from all over the world. Every church that I know of that's online have visitors from Asia and Australia and the United States, South America. It's incredible how many people tune in from all over the world. And of course, we go we go all over the world ourselves. I was watching Mass on Sunday morning from Danville in, Tex- in uh, Kentucky, where a friend of mine is a, is a priest. So I watched his Mass on Sunday morning here. Yeah, it's amazing how technology, and I know you love your technology yourself, Paddy, has facilitated, you know, the faith in in these really, really testing times. But look at, you know, this week in particular, the various ceremonies and people love to be in church, to be there, to uh, take it in, to feel part of this wonderful worldwide community in their own communities. It still is a huge loss. And I, I, I know I hear to students learning remotely, you know about that as well, to all these Zoom me- meetings. It is great, but it's just not the real McCoy, is it? No, it's not the same. It's not the same. And I, I know that, well, look, I mean, w- when we do get back to uh, in-person celebrations, it, w- it will be wonderful and people will come back to that, I think. Um, but no, look, it, it, it'll be it'll be amazing. Because, you see, Holy Week, I suppose, for me as a, as a pastor, as a priest, I'd be kind of saying that Holy Week is, yes, it's, it's certainly helped by all of the wonderful liturgies and so on and so forth and music and uh, the different readings that people hear and th- even the symbols in the church, you know, having uh, maybe the bare altar on a Good Friday and the cross and so on and so forth, you know, all of that. Is is very visual. It's very auditory. It's it's the stuff that we hold on to and we can remember. I was uh, marking on uh, Sunday on Palm Sunday when I was celebrating Mass. Um, I remember, you know, the long gospel. I remember as a nipper, um, as a child, you know, being in the chapel and the long gospel, and I thought it would never end. 
you know. And yes. uh, I remember getting a, a wee a wee clip on the ear from my dad or my mum because I was I was messing around and paying it not paying attention um, in the chapel. But I, I came across a lovely thing there just on Sunday, actually, Jerry. Uh, Pope Francis said, um, "Be amazed again at the 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 message of Easter." I love that phrase, you know, are to be re- re-energized again and amazed by the graces of Easter. And and we see that all around the beautiful spring flowers on a day like today. Yes. You know, we we think the the world is a is a great place. You know, we we can for a moment be taken away from all the difficulties and the troubles when you see the beautiful sunshine and the beautiful flowers and and uh, everybody's in a better form I think. Mm, I mentioned that at top of the show on the way in today it just struck me as well and it's something that we should all immerse ourselves in and observe, ob- uh, observe and enjoy because it is the wonder of this world that we live in. Look uh, for, for yourself you know it's been a tough time. You've been ill you had the Covid your I believe, Paddy, you may correct me here. Is it a year today since your lovely dad passed away? Yesterday, Jerry. Thank you. Yesterday, yes, yesterday, uh, yesterday, yesterday you yes. celebrated his anniversary. Oh, my God, yeah. Mm. Yeah, look, it's, it's, it's incredible to believe. And as you said, through the whole year there, lockdown, and I did get COVID. Thank God everything turned out well. I, I, I didn't have any lasting uh, difficulties from it. But... No, it's it's been a it's been a tough tough year, and of course for our family, a particularly tough year to to say goodbye to dad, and and because of I think I mentioned maybe last year, because of the um, the the restrictions, the north had had just started their restrictions the week before dad died, so the church wasn't open, there was no funeral mass, there was no we didn't couldn't have a wake, um, we didn't literally dad was taken from from the uh, hospital to to the cemetery you know and it was it was tough it was tough it was a tough year indeed look in it in the general sense this is as i say for christians a very very important week in the year probably the most important in terms of of, of faith but because it's the message of resurrection from the the uh, death and eternal life which you know millions and billions of people believe in across this planet of ours when, when when you think, Paddy, of this pandemic and, and you see what's happening in Myanmar, and I've said yeah. it to you before, in Iraq, uh, people trying to forget about that, and Syria and, you know, all the, the troubles and strife we have in this world with racism and you name it. It just builds and builds, Paddy, all of the time. Yeah. You know, yeah. does it ever knock your faith? Or what do you say people to people today who are listening to reaffirm a belief? Yeah, of course, it, it it knocks our faith. It challenges our our situations and our way of thinking. But I, I suppose we have to separate the two things, don't we, Jerry? I mean, there's the global thing, and and many of us are not in control in the global reality. Yes. But what we are in control of in, is our own locality and our own situation. And if we can end up every day with looking back over the day, knowing that we've being kind and we've been caring and we've not hurt others and we've, you know, reached out to to those who are separate in in whatever way on the margins or on the sidelines. You know, if if we've done our bit every day, well, I think you know we can move forward a little bit in all of those things. But this is where, for me, my faith comes in. Um, I do believe. I, I know our world is a fallen world. But I also believe in a redeemed world. I I believe that our world has been redeemed through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And therefore, 
that we can move forward. All of these things are problems. We have to try and solve them. We have to try and find ways to to make them better. But I think we are getting better. Uh, You know, the world is better generally than it was. And, uh, you know, certainly some challenges remain, but we will get there, I think. That's good to hear because I still have that belief myself and always will that good far outweighs evil in this world. We hear a lot about the evil and it grabs the headlines. I know everyone, it's right that it's highlighted. But if you take the overall context of life, the good in people is simply, simply amazing. Just before you go, have your final few words to say today before you leave us. And I wish you well with your celebrations and all of the Christian communities across the world at this time. Absolutely. And Jerry, thank you. And, and same to yourself and to all the, all the listeners as well. Yeah, look, I mean, the, the other thing about uh, Easter, of course, is the, the idea of Good Friday and, you know, the, the crosses that we all bear. And one of the things that helps a cross to be easier carried is to know that we're not alone. And I suppose when we think about our the God we, as Christians, the God we profess and believe in is a God who, who entered into our crosses, who walked at our side, in in a, in a, in every fear in every evil god didn't ignore us or or uh, uh, bypass us he entered into our suffering so that we could enter into his glory and i, I just uh, i think that uh, knowing that we have somebody with us on our side when when life is against us and knowing that even if life is against us we have a glory waiting for us i think uh, it gives the christian message a real ble- a real uh, a positive uh, turn at this time of the year. Father Paddy, you're a great friend of ours. I thank you for those lovely words and wish you well for the year ahead. And please, God, with the rollout of the vaccines, we're talking about it all the time here, and the ramping up of that wonderful work by the people on the front line who are caring for the ill and distributing the vaccine. There are better days ahead. Amen. Thank you, Jerry. God bless you and God bless all the, all the listeners. Father Paddy Rush, thank you very much for joining me on the show. Parish Priest of Monaster Boys, Fieldstown and Tenure speaking to me on Late Lunch this afternoon. Thank you for all the good wishes about the fundraiser. Yes, you can still donate. And there are people asking me here. It's coming in to me on the messages. You can send it to LMFM Radio. I will assure you that it will get to Nadia Vavro and Slav. Or the GoFundMe is still there. GoFundMe.com, Oxygen for Slav. Late Lunch LMFM Radio still to come on the show this afternoon. We're going to hear some of uh, another instalment of Box Banter. It's really on the money, I have to say to you. My Artist of the Week is Ed Sheeran. We'll hear more of his story and his song. And what about this uh, pipeline of uh, water, treated water, to go into the River Boyne? We're talking about that on the show after three. Time for Burke's banter on late lunch this afternoon. And uh, when I tell you that Sinead Burke, she's always on the money. Yes, she really is. She's a real observer of life and she sends us her musings from time to time here on late lunch on LMFM radio. And here she is with our latest views of the world. Sometimes there is a tipping point. A certain event happens at a particular time. And instead of remaining a one day news story, it sparks something seismic with far-reaching consequences. A seemingly singular act which we are ready to see in its wider context and forces us to say, enough is enough. The emerging details of the recent abduction and murder of Sarah Everard in London have been horrifying to hear. Missing murdered women are not uncommon in Britain or here in Ireland. Every year there are fresh calls in this country for information on what happened to Jojo Dollard, Annie McCarrick, 
Fiona Sinnott, Kira Breen, Fiona Pender, Deirdre Jacob, six-year-old Mary Boyle. These names, and many others, have become part of our female Irish identity. This is what can happen. I don't think it's the same for men. Immediately after Sarah Everard's body was found, most media and political talking heads retreated to a rehearsed and tired position of vulnerable women shouldn't be out alone. That is missing the point. Instead of focusing on women as victims, why don't we place a focus on their attackers instead and ask why some men attack women in the first place? In times past, the infuriating narrative that a woman walking home alone is engaging in reckless behaviour would stand largely unchecked. It's a position scarily similar to those other tired and trite attitudes. Well, she was wearing a short skirt. Or, she did agree to go into the bedroom. The subtext being, well girls, what did you expect would happen? This time though, I feel something's different. Maybe it was the cack-handed response by the British police force to those commemorating her memory in public. Or maybe, just maybe, we have all decided that enough is enough. When I was 19, I had a boss who used to take particular pleasure in repeatedly describing rape as assault with a friendly weapon. When I took my driving test, the inspector stared at my chest all the time we were alone in the car together. I failed the test. When I was a county councillor, I was frequently described by another public representative as Councillor Fatpig. Also during my term of office, I found an online forum where a group of men were discussing whether I was good-looking enough to rape. I wasn't, they concluded. I only have five minutes to fill with this column, so I'm going to stop there with my list of things that wouldn't happen to a man. Trust me, I could fill the full five minutes. And I think the vast majority of women could too. Being a woman means having to constantly negotiate hurdles and dangers men will never see. We earn less, have fewer professional role models and have to think twice about walking home alone. Obviously, not every man is responsible for the everyday concessions women have to make. And men who are violent towards women are rare extremely rare. But there are enough of them to ensure women have to make their personal worlds smaller than they should be. In the aftermath of Sarah Everard's death, a ridiculously defensive hashtag started to circulate on social media. Not all men. The wound and inference being, girls, stop blaming all of us for what only a few of us do. To the poor put upon men, who decided to assert themselves by using this phrase, I respectfully say, cop yourselves on. You are all not responsible for crimes against women, but you do have a responsibility to call out inappropriate attitudes and behaviour. By having a mother, by having a female partner, by having sisters and daughters, by being a human being, you have skin in this game. Men are privy to the private changing room banter, the WhatsApp chat and the pub boasts. Men talk more freely in the company of other men. So it's time for you all to stand up. Every time a man puts down a woman in a way they wouldn't another man, 
it's up to you to do the decent thing and call it out. Making fun of the way a woman looks or acts does not in itself lead to committing rape or murder. But it's all part of the same unhealthy narrative that women aren't equal to men. This is an assumption that can have very serious consequences for some women. This is not a men versus women issue. This is a women and men working together to educate and call out misogyny issue. To all men, we need your help on this. Stop with the knee-jerk defence. Stop turning a blind eye to the behaviour of some of your friends. All the women in your much bigger world will benefit. Because enough is enough. Well said, Sinead Burke. Oh, I've been listening intently there. Real food for thought and something that I agree with wholeheartedly. Thank you indeed, Sinead, for another wonderful observation of life. So timely and so appropriate indeed. Sinead Burke will be back with more of our banter on Late Lunch shortly. Now, after last week's international break, the Premier League is back this Saturday and we'll have live commentary from our four Premier League games on the LMFM app or by clicking on the Listen tab on the LMFM website. We've Chelsea West Brom at half 12, top against bottom more or less. Leeds take on Sheffield United at three. It's Leicester, Man City. Oh, there's a game at half past five. And Arsenal, Liverpool, oh my word, I'll have to watch that one. 8 o'clock on Saturday, Premier League Live with Now. Stream all the action from Sky Sports with a Now Sports membership. So lots of Premier League action back again this weekend. And of course, Ireland playing Qatar tonight in a friendly. Will we get that first win? Will Stephen Kenny lead us to the promised land? No wins in 10. Let's see what happens this evening in this friendly game. June Gibbons. Hello, June. Great to hear from you. A colleague of mine when I worked in the telecommunications industry says, congratulations, you did a great job for Slav. Uh, Thanks indeed, June. Lovely to hear from you. Hope you're keeping well today. Had you something there for me, um, Miss Walsh? Were you to say something to me or did did I say it all myself there? Am I done and dusted? Let me see. Hold on. Well, I know when you were talking about the football, all I heard was blah, 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 blah. Ah, oh, Louise. <laughs> I just couldn't. I Louise. just can't keep up with football. Come on. You? Sorry. Come on. Am I not learning you? <laughs> you remember, that was a great one, wasn't it? Am I learning you? You know, my mother used to say, will I ever learn you? No, you might teach me, but you'll <laughs> never learn me. Uh, going back to Paddy Rush, you remember he said about being in the church over Easter? Mm. I was an alt boy in the Dominican church in Toronto. Sadly, they're gone. The community's completely gone. The church is going to another use now. And I served there for years. Oh, Jesus, Easter. The passion. <laughs> the passion. Oh, that's you know, the, really long, yeah. I saw all the boys keeling over on the <laughs> altar. It'd be a warm day. Oh, unbelievable. Scattering match then. And you know, there's the long version and the short version. Is it of the gospel on Easter Sunday? Yeah. We used to be, fingers crossed, it was blasphemy. That would be the <laughs> short version that we'd have and that we'd get through it as quick as it. Paddy were they? Was, they were really heavy, those that Oh, when, uh, when you, the surplus and satan. Is that what they were called? Yeah, surplus right. and satan. I had it, it was all, it was sort of an off-white colour for the Dominicans, yeah. Oh yeah, you'd be, you'd be warm under them. <laughs> I must tell you stories someday here on the air about oh, the, no. the, the things that <laughs> happened. My adventures as an altar boy with the Dominicans. Coming to late lunch soon, I promise you. Now that I think about it, I have some crackers to tell you. Anyway, it's news. We'll have news. to censor them before we let you. <laughs> Might have to pre-record. Might have to pre-record myself. There you go. Anyway, it's news, weather and sport next at three. 
Thank you again for all the uh, lovely wishes following the 40 days and 40 nights for Slav. I, I really do appreciate it. And just to, while we're on sport, just listening to the sports news there, reminding you there's lots of sports here on LMFM Radio uh, over the Easter weekend. On Friday evening, Adrian Tafts and Tala for Shamrock Grovers against Dundalk. Oh, that's a huge game. You can listen to that online. Then there's a reaction to that match on Saturday uh, with Paul McGuinness and Saturday Sport. And David Sheehan is at United Park for the Drogheda United against league leaders Finn Harps believe that Harps top of the league and that match is at 6 o'clock on Saturday evening and then Brian Farley brings you Sunday Sport with reaction to that game the Premier League and day 2 of the Easter Fairy House Festival so lots of sport coming your way here on LMFM this coming Easter weekend now my artist of the week is Ed Sheeran and from his appearance on Jules Holland in April 2011 Sheeran's career really took off He appeared at Glastonbury. Four consecutive singles from his debut album called Plus charted in the top ten in the UK and the album itself hit number one, selling over a million copies there alone. That was just in the UK. It sold much more all over the world. He embarked on a world stadium tour in 2013, selling out arenas across the globe, culminating in three massive successive nights at Madison Square Garden in New York City. His second album, Multiply, followed in 2014, yielding his first UK number one single called Sing. And off he went again on another world tour in late 2014. He won Grammy Awards, Brit Awards, Billboard Awards in the USA and was so in demand to appear at concerts and events absolutely everywhere. But you see, he felt the strain and he decided he couldn't keep up the pace and so took an almost total break from late 2015 for a year or so. But, you know, his star remained right at the top and would continue after his hiatus. I think we just remind ourselves, will we, of Ed Sheeran and his talent and why he was riding on the crest of a wave and still continues to do so with this one. I found a love Ed Sheeran, my artist of the week and perfect on your late lunch this afternoon. Listen to this, just hand it in uh, while I'm on the air here. Dear Jerry, please accept the small donation for Slav. Every little helps. Keep up the good work. Kind regards from Mary in Drogheda this afternoon. Mary, that's a substantial donation and I thank you for it. Oh, we'll get over the 13. We'll get over the 13 for sure, even the way it's going today. It's uh, it's just marvellous. It really is. Thank you so much for your kindness and generosity. And as Father Paddy Rush said, the kindness and goodness in people far outweighs everything else. And, you know, it's about supporting one another. Nothing else counts, really. It really doesn't. It's about helping and supporting and doing the best we can and being kind every single day. You're with Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Final break of the afternoon. And we're going to chat then uh, for a few minutes to Patrick O'Toole, chairman of the Boyne Catchment Angling Association, about a proposed new 7.2 kilometre pipeline into the Boyne to discharge treated wastewater from Dawn Meats. There's an application in front of Mead County Council from Dawn Meats in Bow Park. They're looking to install a 7.2 kilometre pipeline which would transfer the treated wastewater into the River Boyne at Cotton Mills and a lot of people are alarmed. One of those is Patrick O'Toole, Chairman of the Boyne Catchment Angling Association. Hello, Patrick. 
Hello, how are we doing? I'm good. Thanks for joining me on the show. Uh, some words jump from uh, the uh, line I just uh, relayed a moment ago. Treated wastewater. What's the issue if it's treated? Um, well, that's a perception that a lot, a lot of people have, that it's um, treated water. Um, it's, it's actually, what we done was we got um, an ecologist to go through the planning. And if you want, I'll just read out um, part of what was given back to us. Yeah, go ahead there. Yeah, having reviewed the Natura Impact Statement, the assessment makes it clear that additional nutrients are to be discharged into the, into the international important water course. As a, as a result of this project, this will compromise the integrity of the Natura 2000 site. And we believe that granting such a project license to, to proceed is contrary to the Habitats Directive. The NIS, page 18, that the raising water uh, main of this wastewater treatment plant discharges directly into the Boyne, a river SAC, a special area conservation, table 4.1, page 12. The discharge is 400,000 litres per day. Now, that has 8 kgs per day of BOD. I'll explain what that is in a minute. 8 kgs per day of nitrogen and 12 kgs of suspended solid. Now, BOD is a biological oxygen demand, and that is a measure of how the waste consume oxygen in the water. Dissolved oxygen is key for aquatic organisms. Uh, nitrogen discharge, discharge to water courses increases the growth in rivers, making them unsustainable for fish. Suspended solids clog. clog fish's gills and are undesirable in a designated water. Okay, so there are three issues there. Let's focus on them. You say, uh, the report says it will remove oxygen for the water, from the water, which I have to put my cards on the table. I am an angler myself. I'm familiar with the river and I love the river. Uh, it'll remove oxygen for, from the water. Uh, the solids will interfere with the with the fish life in it, them uh, taking it through their system or whatever. Uh, and the, gills, yeah. the, the third one is the nitrogen that will enrich uh, the life or plant life in the river that, again, they say is detrimental. OK, so there's three issues there. Let me just say what Dawn Meats have to say. Now, they've issued a lengthy statement here. It's really, uh, there's a lot in it. But I, I want to read the first couple of paragraphs because these are important. Dawn Meats, it says, is committed to environmental sustainability across its entire business. And the proposed development that Dawn Slane put forward for approval to Mead County Council is consistent with environmental best practice. The multi-million investment in wastewater treatment at the Dawn Mill, at the Dawn Meat site will have a positive impact on the wider Painstown area through the removal of tanker traffic from local roads and third-party studies have risked, assessed no negative impact on the River Boyne or surrounding habitats. They absolutely, you know, are of the contrary view to yourself, Patrick. Yeah, they're saying that, but if you go back, if I go back into their the NIS, they state that here that the assimilated capacity assessment has concluded that the proposed discharge of 400 uh, cubic metres per day would, re- would result in no increase in concentration within the Riverbine charge. Mm. But not that in itself will result in the, in the Riverbine failing to achieve good status. Yeah. And it was concluded that the Riverbine would have sufficient a simulative capacity to accommodate discharge from Donnelly's plane. But what they're not saying in that is that the Boyne 
they're they're making the they, what they are doing there is if you had a clean river, completely clean, absolutely no pollution in it, well then that might work all right. But the fact is, the problem is that the vine is not in good status. According to the NAS, page 17, figure point two, the vine is only reaching moderate status and fallen well below short of the water framework's directive of good status. Okay, so... The vine is already polluted. Yes, so th- there are other issues, and of course it, it rises, as we know, in the Bog of Allen and Offaly, and it flows uh, right the way down to the sea, where it enters the sea at Drogheda. And of course you have uh, big uh, conurbations in Kells and in Navin and in Drogheda as well, all impacting, and agriculture that's all out there, and it's heading for the basin. I understand all of that as well, but here's the thing... Um, they have a scientific view, Don have, and they're entitled to it. You have uh, the other side of things, your own scientific view. Near the twain shall meet, obviously, so it's in the hands of Mead County Council now. Anglers are concerned, I hear what you're saying from an angling point of view, and others as well. Um, have you lodged... The only, thing, a, the only ha- thing I will say to you on that yeah. is what we don't realise, and what an awful lot of people don't realise, that from Donor down to Mary's Weir, right, yep. is one of the deepest sections of the river and when if you had high tides yep the salmon come up and they cross Mary's Weir right yep and they go up and they hold in that area directly below where that pipe was going in okay now a lot of the salmon hold there and won't come up the river until they get a flood yes a lot of time that is October November yep so they're going to be in danger down there with more with all these solids and everything coming out of this okay so you're really concerned about the migratory fish those are the breeding stock yes, I understand. that we have left of these Atlantic salmon yep. on the river. And if they were killed off or whatever, well, then there's no more salmon in the vine because if you kill off the breeding stock, that's it. Yep. But that's what an awful lot of these people don't realise actually what's there. Okay, so it's it's you're saying there's no doubt about this. You fear for the future of the bind salmon. Of course, you have great brown trout fishing there as well, and there are other species in the river that uh, live well, there yeah, as well. We have a lot of things. We have lamprey in the river as well. Lamprey are there pre-dinosaur, mm. and they're in the river as well. Like There's an awful lot of things depending on it. And we are after doing uh, more work in the last lot of years on the spawning streams. Like We have spent hours and hours and hours, and we are improving some of the... Um, some of the fry counts on yes. the, on the likes of the Trimbletown River and those spawning streams. Yeah, I know there's great work going on. What do you say to Don? What should they do? They have an issue here. They want to deal with it in a certain fashion. They say they're doing everything right and they're not going to impact on the river. Well, according to to our um, ecologists, are not. Mm. So look at this is this, the stuff is still going in to going to be going. Yeah, I hear I hear what you're saying. So look at as I said, there are two contrasting views here. I've read from the Dawn statement. There are, there's more in that statement. It gets intricate, of course, but that sort of synopsizes what they're saying. As I said, you have a scientific view as well. So it's going to end up uh, for debate in the council chamber. And I, I take it from what you've said to me that, of course, the angling community and more. I say there are more people involved in this have and will be lodging objections. We hear what you're saying. Uh, and I, I say here today, if Don Meats want to put somebody forward to come on this show and, and uh, speak to me as well, or debate with somebody on LMFM Radio, the invitation is there. I have to leave it there for today, Patrick. Thank you for joining me. No problem. Thank you. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. That's Patrick O'Toole there, Chairman of the Boyne Catchment Angling Association. That's a story that's going to run and run.
Louise, who have we tomorrow? Help me out here because I can't remember. Can you remember? Have you got the uh, the Bible to be able to tell us who's coming up on yeah, late one lunch? Second. Oh, oh I know. Myself. Before you say, hold on, before you say, I want to tee it up with listeners. I'll tell you what we're talking about tomorrow. Tea. Yeah, well, in a way, <laughs> or coffee. Your favourite mug. Do you have a favourite mug? I have a very favourite mug. I introduce this to you. We're going to be talking about it on the show tomorrow. If you have a favourite mug, one favourite mug, maybe two, one, your most favourite mug, uh, we want you to WhatsApp us in photographs of your favourite mug or you can email them this evening uh, and it'll be on social media as well later on late lunch at lmfm.ie we're all mugs on the show tomorrow someone say we're mugs every day Peter Apart Wood anyway Rick Peter Wood anyway go on go on Louise yeah. Rick Rongy doesn't have a mug he's oh, a favourite wine glass oh he has lovely wines for us tomorrow yeah Rick uh, Pauline Ashwood Oh yes, the uh, big classical concert coming up for the Easter weekend, yes. And it's organ donation week, so we have a lovely story. Oh, we have a lovely story from uh, two sisters. One has helped out the other with an organ donation. And your mugs, your mugs please, pictures, WhatsApp them to us here on LMFM Radio, but especially during the show tomorrow. And we'll reveal mine and Louise's favourite mugs to you on the show tomorrow. And the stories behind them as well. That's very important. More fun coming your way and lots besides on Late Lunch tomorrow. Eddie Caffrey with the drive is next. Stay with us here on LMFM Radio. Have a lovely evening. See you Wednesday, 1.30. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drahada Dundalk and Cavan. Let us amaze you with our fantastic used car offers. With over 300 different makes and models, we have the biggest selection of pre-owned cars to choose from. Let Blackstone Motors find the perfect car for you. Finance can be arranged to suit all budgets. Call or visit blackstonemotors.ie today to find your next car. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 
luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.